But anyway, well, welcome guys to Swerve Church. My name is Danny, the lead pastor here at the church. So glad you're joining us. We're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. It's also there in your message notes so you can follow along. And, uh, and you can take those message notes and you can uh, fill in the blanks there as we go uh, through the message today. Now listen, Ugly Dolls is a movie about a breed of dolls that come from a town called Uglyville. And in Uglyville, the dolls are a little weird. Maybe even a little strange, definitely unique looking to say the least, and uh, they're shaped kind of funny. Uh, but in Uglyville, beauty is more than what meets the eye. Each doll is shaped differently. They all have a different shape, a different color. They're, they come in different sizes and shapes, but they all live together, though, in unity in Uglyville. You know, that is, until a few of the ugly dolls, as you saw towards the end of that trailer, they take a walk to the town called Perfection. And in the town of Perfection, everyone looks similar. Everyone looks kind of the same. They all dress similar. They all talk alike. Their homes are all the same. And they all sound the same. You know, there's a big distinction. And of course, that's what the butt of the conflict is in the movie, the differences between Uglyville and the town of Perfection. You know, it definitely looks like a cute movie. I would love to see it with the kids and the family. But as I watched the trailer, I couldn't help but look at the overarching message of how we can look different from each other. We can talk differently. We can live culturally a little bit different from one another. But while celebrating our differences, we can come together under one unifying message and mission. Isn't that right? That's kind of the overarching message of this movie. Guys, let me just share with you, quite frankly, that I have a vision and I have a passion to see an Uglyville kind of church. I can see a diverse church, different cultures, different backgrounds, different upbringings, with different amounts in the bank, uniting together to sit at the foot of the cross, with Jesus with ar- with, uh, under the cross of Jesus with arms lifted high in surrender, and also with arms stretched out in love and service and community with, with, for one another. Now let me ask you guys a question. What do you think heaven's going to be like? If you read the book of Revelation in the 7th chapter, the author paints a picture of a place surrounded by such a large crowd that nobody can even number it, nobody can count it. And in that crowd, there's a massive mix of every tribe, of every people, of every nation and language all coming together to worship Jesus. Now you know what's interesting Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples how to pray, he told them to say these words. Maybe you guys heard these words. Maybe you read them. He said, Father who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, guys, Jesus' ministry on earth during his life, according to him, was to bring the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus saw his mission as bringing a slice of heaven down to earth. And this coincides with the prayer that he taught the disciples to pray, which was essentially, God, bring your kingdom here to earth. In other words, God, redeem it, restore it, make it the way that you designed it all to be. Now, of course, it doesn't take very much looking around to see that everything that we have around us in this world is not God's original design. But we see all around us is brokenness. And while we certainly get glimpses of God's original design, It's far from perfect. You guys agree? And this is especially true when we look at questions of race, ethnicity, and culture. 
It's amazing that we can live in such an incredibly diverse city like New York City and still see and experience prejudices and racism and bigotry, even as a diverse uh, neighborhood, a diverse city as New York. You know, in fact, it wasn't that long ago that right here in Bushwick, maybe some of you heard of this, the Shabbat of Bushwick on Flushing Avenue had its window smashed by a vandal. Did you guys hear about this? The incident was labeled as a hate crime, and clergy of all different faiths came out to take a stance against the violence and the hate towards this particular group of people in our community. This happened right on Flushing and Knickerbocker in our neighborhood. You know, as I look around my community, I see all different types of people. You know, of course, even in this room, look around you, look who's next to you and in front of you guys in this room. People that come from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnicities, and, and so on. But you know, so often we remain siloed in our own little in our own little corner. And while we live in an extremely diverse community, our friendship and those that we do life with don't necessarily reflect that. Now in Jesus' ministry, if Jesus' ministry was to bring a slice of heaven down to earth, shouldn't we be following as followers of Jesus? Shouldn't we be following in his footsteps and be doing the same thing? And is diverse a neighborhood as the one that we live in right here in Bushwick, don't we have a responsibility to create a diverse church family to reflect the differences that are present here? What do you guys think? You know, I'll take it one step further. What other businesses, what other organizations, what other institutions have the ability to create a place for all worlds to collide other than the church? You know, after all, the church, we have the single most unifying message that no matter who you are, you are a desperate sinner heading towards destruction. But instead, you're interrupted by God's amazing grace and experiences love and mercy in Christ Jesus. And that's the single most unifying message. And no other institution, organization, or nonprofit can make claims to that. And so for the rest of our time, we want to look, I want us to look at just three verses just look at three verses to see what Paul says in this book to, in, in his letter to the Romans. We're going to look at a prayer. This prayer he prayed for the believers there. And I'd love for us to share in this prayer as Paul is praying this. I want you to pray this as well. Because it's, Paul, it's a prayer that Paul made for the church in Rome. I'd love for us to share in this prayer as well. And as we ask God to bring a slice of heaven down to Bushwick. Now what you guys need to know about the believers in Rome is that it was a diverse church. They were both Jewish and Gentile. And Paul's prayer for the church was that they would reflect the beautiful picture of heaven and live in unity. And that's what I pray for us as well. Here's three things that we can learn from Romans chapter 15, verse 5 and 7. You guys ready? Let's jump right into it. The first fill in the blank right there in your notes. Take your pens. I'd love to hear them click. The first fill in the blank, number one is this. God desires for us to live in harmony. God desires for us to live in harmony. Look at what it says, Romans chapter 15, verse 5. He says, Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus. Do me a favor, guys, right there in your notes. Would you guys underline where it says, Live in harmony with one another. But then I want you to circle the words endurance and encouragement. You see, guys, God desires for us to live in harmony. And this is something that is directly countercultural to what we see in our world. The truth is that in our world, there aren't very many examples of harmony. In fact, we can probably find more examples of strife and argument and contempt 
then we can't find examples of harmony, right? At least that's what gets the most attention. Is there's a sinful part of us, inside of each and every single one of us, that we're drawn to conflict and strife. You know, these days, for example, if two people get, on a, get into a fight in the street, people are more likely to take out their phones to record it than to jump in and break it up. Right? Because there's something sinful, intrinsically sinful within us that wants to see conflict and strife. You know, about a week or so ago, a video went viral all over social media platforms. I bet you, you, got, I bet you most of you here saw it. What was it? A family in the happiest place on earth, in Disneyland, where there are thousands of families out having a good time, get into a physical fist fight with each other. And this video went viral. These are some clips uh, that you can see. I bet, I guarantee you, it flooded Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Everywhere you can see, the videos went viral. The video had literally millions of views as this family smacked, punched, hit, grabbed each other's hair, threw each other on the ground. And millions of people took the time to see it, to watch the the park security come in and break up the fight. And this video went viral. Why are we so drawn to something like that as opposed to harmony? Why are we so drawn to that? You know, I suppose our sinful flesh is drawn to see strife and grief and argumentation. We want to see it. But what did Paul say? What does God want for us? He wants us to live in harmony. Harmony. And you know, maybe that's why Paul brings up in verse 5 that God gives endurance and encouragement. I asked you guys to circle those two words. Because it's almost as Paul is saying that experiencing this harmony, it isn't easy. Right? So he's like, you know, I pray to the God of endurance and encouragement because that's what you're going to need to experience harmony. Because it's hard. Because everything within us wants to see strife and argumentation and fighting. And so I pray to the God of encouragement and endurance that he would give it to you. That you would get endurance and encouragement straight from heaven to help us live out harmony. Now it's interesting that Paul uses the word harmony here. Now harmony, guys, it's a musical term. It's when multiple notes are played together to form a single chord. And it has a pleasing sound. And that's the way that God wants us to live. I think it means two things. To be in harmony means that we're singing the same song. If you're singing two different songs, no matter how nice you sing, you can't sing in harmony. And what that means is that we're all on the same page. You know, and what brings us together is the fact that we can sing the same song. What brings us together is the fact that apart from Jesus, we're all sinners heading for destruction. But, but that what we all experience is not condemnation, the condemnation that we deserve, but instead we receive love and acceptance from our Heavenly Father through Jesus. So being in harmony, singing the same song, means that we've all experienced God's amazing grace in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can experience salvation. Because of Jesus, we are forgiven. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed. And because of Jesus, we can be called children of God. So to be in harmony means that we're singing the same song. We're on the same page. But to be in harmony also means that we're singing in the same key. Now in music, harmony is created when two completely different notes are played together, but they complement each other because they're in the same scale or the same family of notes. Now listen, if you're not musically inclined, this is like right over your head. It doesn't make any sense. It might be difficult to understand. But whether you have an amazing voice or when you sing, it sounds like somebody strangling a cat in the back alley. You know when something sounds good and when something doesn't, right? You know when, when two notes sound good or when they clash. That's what it's like for us. If we're all on the same page and Christ has forgiven and redeemed us, 
then real, we realize that He has also commissioned us. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. But we work together to advance the mission of God and spread the love of Jesus. Different, but working together harmoniously. And what would it look like, Swerve, for us to be as a church to live in harmony with one another, to live in harmony with our community? What testimony would we give to the rest of this world if we lived out this harmony? God desires for us to live in harmony. Here's number two in your notes, that when we, when we do this, when we practice this, when we live in harmony, when we do so, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. Paul says it like this in verse 6. He says, So that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with what? With one mind and, and one voice. Did you know that? Did you know that when unity, did you, did you know that unity and harmony brings glory to God? How does it bring glory to God? I think it does so by what we mentioned before, bringing that slice of heaven down to earth. Do you know how beautiful it is to see a group of people, right? With a gazillion, with a gazillion differences come together and to make the conscious decision to love, to serve, and to do life with one another? Do you know how beautiful that is? Do you know how beautiful it is when we get together and we go to the park or we go to a backyard like we did this Friday with all our differences and we eat together and we share our lives in like a thousand degree weather? Do you know how beautiful that is? A beautiful mix, a beautiful diversity. Everybody coming together. Do you know how beautiful, what, what, a, what an amazing gospel display when we're all together eating eating together, putting our differences to the side and, and all uh, uniting under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful picture of the unifying work of the gospel. It says to the rest of this world, in any other context, this wouldn't necessarily work, but because of the gospel at work in me, I can love my neighbor regardless of the differences that we share. And guys, who else besides the church is perfectly positioned to put this type of harmony for the glory of God on display? Listen, in our community, there aren't very many places that can foster those type of relationships. Bars don't do a good job at it. Neither do coffee shops. Gyms don't do a good job at it. And not even our schools. But the church, we have the single unifying message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while we have these differences, ultimately, the banner of Jesus unifies us. And this is a demonstration to the rest of the world, the power of the gospel. You know, I love what Jesus said. If you have a red letter Bible, this is written in red letters. Jesus said this, John chapter 13, verse 35. I'd love for you guys to read this verse out loud with me. It's in your notes and on the screen. Ready, go. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. You guys would underline the last part of that verse right there. If you love one another. How is the rest of this world going to know that we follow Jesus? That Jesus has radically changed our lives. But Jesus says, if you love one another. So now, if unity brings glory to God, then we need to make a conscious decision to let go of the things that cause disunity, right? Because unity and harmony brings glory to God, then we got to let go of that other stuff that, that doesn't bring uh, honor to God, like disunity. For example, things like rumors, lies, jealousy, greed, backstabbing, double-crossing, right? Talking behind each other's backs. These are things that cause division and cause disunity. Those things, don't call, they don't bring glory to God. 
So we need to be of the mind that since harmony and unity brings glory to God, then I'm going to release all that other junk. Because that doesn't glorify God. That brings disunity. I'm going to choose unity over disunity. And that means that I'm not, I'm not going to speak bad about my brother or my sister. I'm only going to love and serve them because that brings harmony and that brings glory to God. And so I'm going to let go of all that other junk. Now, God desires for us to live in harmony. And when we do so, it brings glory to God. And number three in your notes, therefore we should accept each other as Jesus accepts us. We should accept each other as Jesus accepts us. Look at what Romans 15, 7 says, the last verse for today. It says, therefore, accept one another just as Christ. What did he do? Also what? Accepted you to the glory of God. If God desires for us to live in harmony, and when we do so, it brings glory to God, then the logical conclusion would be for us to accept one another. Now that word accept... Uh, you, maybe you want to circle it there or put a star. It's kind of a scary word, isn't it? I don't know about you. It is for me because it doesn't say to accept after someone else has conformed to your particular likes or your particular taste. And so what it, it doesn't mean that you get to change someone to like your favorite sports team, to like your favorite TV show, your genre of movie, or your favorite ethnic food. Right? It says you just accept them. But Danny... Even if someone looks different than me, or even if they have a different cultural background, even if they make more or less than me, even if they live in a bigger or smaller house, or even if they lived in Bushwick all their lives, or they just moved in last week, the answer is yes, except. But Paul doesn't just leave us the command without telling us how to do it. Take a look at the verse again. He says, therefore, accept one another just as who? Just as Christ also accepted you. You see, Jesus accepted you, even in your dirtiest, lowest, and most rebellious state. He still accepted you. He still gave his life on the cross to accept God's wrath on your behalf for your sin. He still rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death for your sake. The Bible says that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I ask myself the question all the time, what compels Jesus to accept us? Because if we can find the answer to that question, then we might, we might just find a clue as to what we need so that we can accept one another. So what's the answer? What, what compels Jesus to accept us? It's really quite simple. It's love. It's love. Love is what compelled God to put on human flesh and die the most wretched and brutal death known to mankind. In that time in history, love is what put Christ on the cross. Love for you and for me so that we can be accepted by God. And so what do we need to do so that we can accept each other? What do we need to do? It's not a trick question. We need to love. Like we read John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Guys, love allows us to put our differences to the side not to dismiss our differences, but instead to come together around what unites us. The blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of our sin. Our family is made up of different races, cultures, socioeconomic backgrounds, skin color, and yes, even different baseball teams. But it's one family under the banner of Jesus. Guys, 
if you could dream with me, I'm, I'm dreaming big for an Uglyville kind of church where people from all different walks of life, nationalities, backgrounds, upbringings, socioeconomic status, live in a big house or in the projects, everybody coming together to worship at the foot of Jesus. Because after all, we're the only one, the church is the only one that has the single most unifying message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it gives access to everyone. And there's no respect of persons. And so guys, I'm praying that we have that type of church. And I hope you guys can pray that with me. Let's pray. And as we pray, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. And they're going to lead us in one more song. And I ask that you guys would just meditate on these on these, on these words of this song. And you guys would join me in praying for for this. Lord, we desire, God, to be a church that would be known for our love for one another. I pray that we would demonstrate harmony to a world that is full of disunity. I pray that when we do so, it would bring you all the glory. I pray that it would be a testimony to our neighbors and our community that because of the love demonstrated to us through Christ, we can love one another despite our differences, that we can be one family under the banner of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.